the big news last night, and I know you want to get into this because you're an old school NBA guy. As well, yes. And Charles Oakley goes to Madison Square Garden last night. He he's he hates the Knicks, or he hates the Dolans. He uh, he hates the direction of the team, all that good stuff. And then last night, you know what happens? He gets kicked out by security. He's throwing haymakers. He's trying to choke somebody out. <laughs> and Dolan the whole time is like sending in his goons. Yeah, and Oakley's like, I'm not having it. What's your reaction, Paul? <laughs> Oakley's the ultimate goon. I it, it just was so great. I just he was. I said this. I think on Facebook today is. He is, he's, that is who he is. He is just a badass. He's not a guy acting like a tough guy like DeMarcus Cousins or some other NBA player. All these Matt Barnes, all these NBA players think they can fight or think they're tough. Oakley, you can just see it on his face, is the last guy in the room you ever wanted to mess with, particularly in the 80s, you know, when he was Jordan. And then he was Michael Jordan's freaking bodyguard. Right. So back what does when, that tell you? Yeah, back when the NBA and the NHL, back when you had bodyguards for your top stars because you had guys taking them out. It's like, right. Marty, it's like Marty McSorley for Wayne Gretzky. Yes. That was Charles Oakley for Jordan. Then the, the Bulls moved on. They sent him to the Knicks. And think about the Knicks when they were when they had Oakley, Starks, and you know you had these guys that were just Oakley was just like he was he was the he was the bouncer, he was the bouncer, and in that New York Knicks team really got that reputation. They they ground teams down with Pat Riley as the head coach. Um, Ewing was never seen as a tough guy no. by himself, but with that lineup led by Oakley, led by Starks, Derek Harper, Anthony Mason, Mason. they accumulated all God. these guys. I'd forgotten and, about Mason. Oh man, he was so nimble, so smooth for a six eight two two fifty, and he'd fight you too <laughs> with no problem. No problem. No. <laughs> and problem. we're not talking like these gay, you know, stupid overhand right or slap fight things that the NBA calls a fight. Now we're talking. Go back, find the footage of that Knicks Heat brawl in the playoffs. What year was that? Ninety four, I want to say. I I dug go up, look that up. I dug up video today of. Uh, you had Oakley versus Charles Barkley, 1996, in a preseason game. They get tangled up on a rebound, and it just turns into a swing fest. It's just it, Oakley swinging, Barkley swinging. They hate each other. They still hate each other. They've never buried the hatchet. Oakley's never going to bury the hatchet. Barkley's going to no, just keep running. It'd his make mouth. him soft. He would, and Barkley right. wouldn't do it either. Right. So you and I said it this morning. I said the NBA. Thank God Oakley threw some punches. You know, yeah. thank God this happened last night because the NBA, as the not safe work black dudes said this morning, the NBA is so damn soft that so it's soft. it takes a guy like Charles Oakley to make it interesting. It's weird though, too. You know, as far as how soft everybody is, that in the last five days I've had two of the rising young stars tear ACLs. Jabari Parker and, and uh, Zach Levine, who I always want to call Adam Levine. Uh, you know what? Between those it's two. It's because they're soft, yeah. Joe. All right. They are. They are soft. And Get up. Block we, it off. But we've, all, we've built this up. The NBA has done this to themselves where the, the stars are coddled because everybody is in the money grab. Everybody. Yeah. They're all in the money oh, grab. They're so not. Nobody's going to cut each other's throat. They're. They're. You know. You can hate uh, the guy, the 
guy at uh, Golden State for tripping. Uh, shit, I forget his name. Um, but or kicking guys in the nuts. But oh, the Duke guy. No, uh, no, the guy from Michigan State. Oh, Draymond. Draymond Green. Uh, so you can. So hate, he kicked a few guys in the nuts. But what I'm saying, cares. what I'm saying is, is there's not an enforcer who's gonna, right. who's going to go after him. Let's say, let, let's say uh, Draymond kicks LeBron in the nuts in mm-hmm. the finals or at regular season game to send a message. Who yeah, do, I like it. The, who do the Cavs have? They don't have an Oakley, right? Kevin Love. Kevin Love right. gets in in there and mixes it up, right? Right. right. So Kyrie you, Irving. Yeah, you don't have this guy who you bring in, and it's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not having it tonight. Don't even, it's, don't even take a shot on LeBron. And it's sad because it added a really cool dynamic to the NBA in the 80s, 90s, and then the early part of the 2000s, it, it wanes. But it it was just a different game, a physical style. I miss hand-checking too, okay? I'm going to go out there and say that. Um, it's, it, was just, well, <laughs> it was just a fun – remember Xavier McDaniel? Yes. That's another badass, yes. a forgotten badass that we forgot about in the context of the Knicks. Uh you you have who did you want to who did you want to fight on that team uh seriously when you you remember those games they would be playing like on a sunday at noon yes and it's the knicks versus i don't care who always like like the pacers and you you watch because you're thinking every single time something's gonna happen somebody's somebody's going down you wanted to see dale davis and antonio davis (laughs) the pacers davis brothers go in on Anthony Mason and Oakley, and then you wanted to see Smiths get dirty with uh, right. with Ewing, and then maybe if you're lucky, you'd see Haywood Workman elbow John Starks or Derek Harper. Mark Jackson would get in there. I remember those days vividly, Joe. It was uh, like noon on a Sunday, and Marv Albert's yes. calling the game, yes. and you're at the Garden. You were there. Oh my God, you're tuned in. You know that it's going to be physical, and yeah. I get why the NBA they don't want their stars getting knocked around, but they went too soft. They tried to. They they went soft and it's now backfired on them. Where God, how you do you who do you blame? Who what happened? I, What's the move? I, that I, I think what this? it is. I think what it is is they kept letting young guy. They kept letting the guys come right out of college or from high school. And mm-hmm. I think what you have is where you have the veterans who just get pushed out because you have young guys coming out of college who I mean, there's like baby faces. Like these guys don't. Yeah. They're they're 19 years old. Thon maker types. Who's he yeah. going to hurt? Like, seriously, like they're just trying to figure out how to balance their checkbook. You know and, who I blame all of it on? Uh, one player, one man. LeBron. Stromile Swift. He was a six foot nine, 210 pound swing man that came out in probably 2002 or four in that range, I want to say. Right. Lottery pick. You know, year in, in college comes out. Everybody's thinking this guy, he's the prototypical slasher, never had a jumper, never played defense. All they want him to do was slash and dunk, and he couldn't even do that. So then you had the league drafting a, a new crop of Stromouth Swifts every year for the next five to 10 years. You get rid of man to man defense, you get rid of hand checking, you, you add zone. And Stromal Swift came in and just killed the league's field goal percentage. Nobody can hit a mid-range jump shot. Nobody works the glass like Scottie Pippen and all these classic studs used to. And so we're left with this. We're left with well, the baby face that you're talking we're, about. We're left with super teams that uh, there's not like – can you name an enforcer on any super team? On any team, period. Well, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, that's the sad thing. And I, and I get the point. I get the whole thing where – 
they're gonna if you throw the if you throw a punch, you're out or whatever. But so what? Like the NHL, I mean, but, but you're not gonna hit anybody. You know what I mean? Like at least have an enforcer who will take somebody out. Like okay, you yeah. get all right. You got uh, you get ejected and then you get like a five game suspension. Big deal, you know. Yeah, big deal. So I I don't know. It's it's so soft. That's why I can't watch the NBA until April and a lot of times May. I can't yeah. even watch. I can't take it serious. I have well, to because of this job. But I, but I have job a hard, years. I have trouble taking it serious. I, uh, I, I, unbeknownst to you, I bought the NBA League Pass oh, about two weeks ago. And, I mean, the first thing I will say is that ESN needs to fire Mike Breen immediately. The guy sucks. Okay? Terrible. You've, Terrible. You've been saying bitch with a lot of emphasis yes. today. Mike Breen sucks is going to be my word of the day. Right. He, you, you, they drag the game down to a fucking screeching halt. It's terrible. So to hear the local guys yeah. with some local flavor, local commercials – Great, great part of the experience so far. Who stands um, out? Which which uh, team has good local guys? I, I love the Boston team. Oh, really? And you got Scalabrini coming in as like the courtside reporter slash yes. color guy. Good. He's that's great. That's a good choice. That's good. Any um, others? So that, that's my favorite. I actually, I really like the Blazers broadcast team. Really? As weird as that sounds. I couldn't tell you either guy's name right. at this point. I'm just getting into it, Joe. Um, but, uh, that adds a lot of flavor to it. It makes the game better and less boring to have a local broadcast team. But, um, in watching these games, I mean, there's a clear disparity between the best teams and the worst team. Who wants to watch a, a Milwaukee Bucks Pistons game? Or like Denver versus oh, Phoenix. Denver versus, yeah, that's a great, <laughs> <laughs> that's a brilliant, terrible matchup that, because well, that exists on a nightly basis. Well, like my whole thing is. I wish there was some like variety. I wish one team. Remember when the you're old enough to remember this? Like the Nuggets, they had guys that could just launch from deep. Alex, do you even go back yeah. to like Alex English? I do. Uh, I also celebrate the entire career of Michael Adams, right? And his one-handed set shot, and right. the Paul Westhead led Nuggets of the ninety ninety one season, all right? Who averaged like one hundred and fifty a game, still an all time record. That's where I was headed. No, no D launching threes, running, just running. If you're going to suck, right? If you're going to suck in the NBA, why not put a product on the court that is at least interesting? Like if you're going to, if you're going to get blown out, make the other team score 140 on you. That's my whole point. Like (laughs) why not? If you're going to get beat by 30, at least make the other team score 140 and you lose 140 to 110. Well, the only reason these games and leagues exist is for entertainment. Right. It's not something that anybody has to consume. We don't have to sit through a 84 to 77 shit fest with the aforementioned shitty sons. That's what they should change their name to, the shitty sons. They've got right. horrible uniforms. The Hawks. I mean, who the hell? Paul Millsap and who yeah, else? Um, uh, Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. It just – Ricky Schroeder. Yeah. It just, it just goes on and on. And you don't have to watch it. So I, I love that idea. I'd love I, let's just let's hoist some, some threes. Let's yes, let's run. Yes. Like do something. Give me guys. the Golden State. Give me the Mitch Richmond Golden State Warriors. I tell uh, you that I saw him with these. You saw I talked to him. You saw him where? We were at that after party, remember? Oh yes. Yes. I was talking to that that lawyer girl. And I was just sitting there on the couch, and I look up. This dude is mashing a salad. Big black dude. I'm like, holy 
fuck, is that Mitch Richmond? And I, I abruptly excused myself from the conversation, got up off the couch, and I said, Mitch Richmond, you're the man. <laughs> and he laughed, and he had all this salad. He's holding a fork and a plate, and he gives me a fist bump, and he's talking with a full mouth. One of the greatest experiences I've Mitch ever had. Mitch Richmond. So, you you said uh, he's big. I thought Mitch Richmond was like six one. Like what is oh, he? Towering man. He's at least six five. At really? least he's he's a thick guy. Like it... you think about that. You think about Mitch Richmond. He was a you know oh kind of seen as a finesse scorer. Yes. He was actually a physical guy in hindsight, but nothing compared to Oakley. Let's bring it in. Uh no. Let's um, let's let's set it back up. Uh Charles Oakley. Yeah, great to see him in the news uh, because it's a better day when Charles Oakley is doing anything, whether he's arguing with Charles Barkley, defending LeBron, or ripping LeBron one way or the other. Uh, it's good for the NBA, and they'll suck me back in because of this. I will actually yeah. care, and maybe I need to get the league pass and then really watch some random games. But I need I to- would Go ahead. I, sorry to interrupt you there, Joe. I, I would. It was like $99. You're home. You never leave your TV. You never leave your house. Have Throw a game on in the background. It's kind of therapeutic, actually. Uh, yes. I Listen, if I had a team that stood out as different from everybody else, I would probably just jump on their bandwagon. If you Listen, if you had a, a Paul Westhead that came mm-hmm. in and – all of a sudden, te- the team is just running. Run, gun, mm-hmm. bam, shoot the three, up and down the court, get over half court, you're launching. Yeah. Get the ball moving. Let's go. And mm-hmm. I- I'm telling you right now, you would have Twitter would be lit up. Even if the team lost, they're dunking like crazy, like windmill dunks. Give me like a video game team. I don't care if they're the worst team in the NBA. If they get blown out every game, so what? At least it's going to be entertaining because yeah. they were going to get blown out anyway. So well, you don't want you don't want NBA All Star Game style defense, right? Which is nothing. You want a, a happy medium yes. between like ridiculously slow offensive sets and some you know and that level of non defense. And and they had it. The Paul West said Denver teams had that. They did. They did. Those were really those were really uh, fun times. Uh, the, the NBA West was just lights out crazy. As a matter um, of fact, that's the highest scoring game in NBA history. It was between the Nuggets and the T- Run TMC Golden oh, State yeah. Warriors. See, it's, that's what was it? Uh, that game exists on YouTube. I think it was uh, like one sixty-two to one forty. Oh, you know what? You know what? I, I swear to God, and, I'm going to watch that. Dude, I, I watched it. It was probably a year ago last time I watched it, but I've watched it a couple times. It's, on, it's out there, guys. The thing is, is they're not just launching crap from half court. They're, they're running like the best pick-and-roll basketball you've ever seen. 80% of those points are mid-range jump shots. Like, it is classic basketball. When fundamentals matter, Joe. It is uh, It is throwing it back. It is good to see that uh, you're you're an old and, – and, you know, we're similar in age. So we we love those days of the uh, – the old, of thunder. Yeah, the old time. And we now we call that old time. But, man, that was fun. Fun old times. Old timey. Time uh, spelled T-H-Y-M-E. Yeah. And see, we had uh, in the East Coast on Eastern Time, we got those ten thirty games, and you throw on Run TMC and Denver or whoever. Back then, the Suns with Dan yeah. Marley or whatever. Uh, yeah. And you're like, oh my god, I'm in, I'm in. 
Friday night, right. Friday night, Saturday night, whatever. Right. T- T- right. Back when like TBS was the channel that had all the TNT, games. TBS. Yeah. You had exactly. And then you mentioned the Sunday game with Marv Albert on NBC, the right. John Tesh beginning. Right. Uh, it was, it was actually uh, and Matty Gukas, Mike Fratello, who I, yes. I begged you to take a yes. picture of me with Mr. Fratello. And you did. It was, right. I'm looking at the picture right now. I've got it on my wall. Uh, uh, how about this? How about when you had, uh, what was the NBA show with Ahmad Rashad? Oh, inside stuff. Inside stuff. And it wasn't the bastardized version that the NBA tries to shove down your throats now with Grant Hill. Right. Oh, he's, he's whiter than I am, Joe. I- exactly. Uh, so you had in- inside stuff led into NBA games and it was like yep. must see TV. It was insane. Remember Willow Bay? Willow Bay. Where the hell's Willow Bay these days? God, she was so smooth. So then, like in a, like some sensuality there, like I, but a real smoothness, and you respected her. I wouldn't be able to name her. I'm glad you said that name. And then Hannah Hannah Storm came on later, right? Yep, she came on later. We've seen her in person. Not that impressive, but you know, it's still better than that other girl that's with Grant Hill right now. I I haven't watched Inside Stuff with Grant Hill, so uh, no idea. Don't, um, just don't. All right, next thing, next subject. Uh, I, Jordan Spieth is out today and he's pissed off the, at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am over, I, over autograph seekers. Um, grown men ac- yeah. accosted him today <laughs> at the, after the 18th hole and he had – one of them dropped an F-bomb or something and then one of them said, you'll never be Tiger Woods or whatever – and speed, <laughs> the ultimate insult, right? So they're so they're like going uh, internet troll on him. They're trying to Twitter in, in real life, in RL, in in his face. They're really saying you'll never be Tiger Woods. So these are dirtbag autograph seekers. You know them. You've seen them in action. Oh, and so what I want to know is the last time you asked for an autograph. I love this this segment. <laughs> this should be a segment. Of the, should be, this should be a call-in. This should be this a call-in. This should be because it is – okay, I've used the word gay a couple times today. I'm going to use it again, Joe, because I mean it. There is nothing gayer than a 36-year-old man asking for a 21-year-old man's autograph or wearing his jersey. This is a recurring theme in my life. I give my friends endless shit. One of them who's our age – Wears a he bought a freaking Marcus Peters jersey because he's a chief. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you can be that kid's dad, you idiot. What are you doing? Buy a Joe Montana. And yeah. uh, it's just the scummiest thing for anybody, especially if you like work in media to ask for autographs. Um, All right, God, even damn. if you don't, even if you don't work in media, like what? Okay, All right, answer this one qu- first, and then I'm okay. gonna go to another question related. Okay. Shit, last autograph. Dude, I think it was in like '92. I'm looking at an autographed Joe Montana card. This is okay. This is old. Well, this is an old school Throwback Thursday podcast, right? All right. Yeah. Go ahead. I remember as a kid collecting baseball or football cards, then mailing them to the players yes. at the facilities yes. with a self-addressed stamp envelope <laughs> inside a letter asking for an autograph. You may even throw a pen in there to make it as easy as possible for them. <laughs> I dude, I did that so much as a kid. I'm looking at two autographed Joe Montana cards next to a Jim Kelly. Wait, uh, a Jerome Bettis, right, a Bo hold Jackson. Up. Hold up now. Sorry, I'm getting so excited. So are these are these cards that you sent away for? You sent letters to these guys. Yes. And they yes. and they actually signed Joe Montana signed two cards for you. Yeah. Yeah. You okay? Did you send, I'll send the, you the picture? Did you send the two cards? 
uh, in the same envelope, or were these? Did, did you get strategic and hope that one of them would actually make it through, and then both of them ended up getting? Signed? No, I, I didn't get. I didn't get that manipulative until I was older. <laughs> Until um, after the divorce, um, I, uh, I sent them both in the same the same envelope. Okay, so this what year? Oh, uh, this was these are nineteen ninety cards pro set. Uh, <laughs> they would have been ninety. Chiefs, right? No, he <laughs> no, was, he's no, still, he's still no. God, he was coming off a title. Uh, yeah. So he signs both of them. Yeah. And he just puts his name on them, no inscriptions or anything like that. Crazy, right? Back in those What's days. His name? Yep. All right, so you get two mon- – I mean, think of that. That's crazy to think that that actually happened back then. Well, I had a pretty compelling story to go along with it. Right. Would you like to hear the emotional uh, story? I, yes. So yes. my mom used to be a, a serious heavy-duty cigarette smoker. Okay. And I, I always hated it. And so I'd be like, Mom – and Joe Montana's her favorite player, and the Niners are her favorite team, even though I was a Bears fan and always have been. So I was like, Mom, what if if I get you a Joe Montana autograph, would you stop smoking? And she was like, yeah, but you won't be able to. And so that's what happened. So I think that's probably why Joe Montana signed both of them. And you wrote the letter, and in the letter you told him what? What did you tell him? I told him the situation. Like, hey, big – you know, obviously I was a big fan. They were like the Patriots now in the 90s. They were like every every kid had – you know, had dumped their allegiance to their NFL team and and was an Irish fan in some capacity because they looked cool. They had all the coolest guys. They were the best team, and that's just kind of how it goes. So I had mentioned, you know, that I I, I did enjoy watching the Niners back then, even though they always smoked the Bears, and told them the story that if you could sign these cars, my mom would quit smoking. And I think my handwriting was probably better when I was ten than it is right now. To be that honest. is an incredible. That's a great story. That's a <laughs> podcast story right there that needed to be told. It's it's very cathartic. Um, oh wow, that is great. Good one. So that that's uh that's All right. I just that doesn't exist anymore. And there was something really cool about that. Not the not Joe Montana the experience of that. Um, but like I got Hank Aaron's autograph the same way. No um, kidding. Pro- yeah, absolutely. Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews, uh, two huge sluggers for all you MLB old schoolers. Right. And. Right. I mean, what's what's cooler than that? You know, like you'd, you'd literally have to buy like a Beckett magazine that was like the stock index for baseball cards or basketball <laughs> cards. That do you remember Beckett? Oh, absolutely! I got them up in my attic. I my uh, dad, yeah. my dad gave me a box of old stuff, and they were in there. And so you, they would have indicators of whose value is rising, who was who was lower, and then in, I think it was in Beckett also a different version. You could buy an edition that had all the address addresses oh, for the yeah. sent letter requests and autograph requests. Yes. And so I went I went hog wild. Like I, I sent out, you know, baseball. I got a Daryl Strawberry one I'm looking at right now. Um I sent all this stuff out and it was just a th- what a thrill, you know, as a kid, as a ten year old to get an envelope back from from uh Jim Kelly or Joe Montana. Did he lick the do you think he licked the envelope? <laughs> right, right. Uh, cool stuff. All right. So you still haven't answered. Uh, the you think that's the last time you ask yes, for an I autograph? Do. Sorry, really? Sorry to get off. So Sorry. you, yeah. So not not up into like your teens. You didn't go to a game and be like, "Hey, would you sign this?" Nothing. I think. I think I got a, a George Lintz that... autograph at a Lakers game in '94 or '5. Okay. Um, All right. So you're yeah. Not... I'm surprised right. late as then teen. Okay. I'd say I stopped asking 
mid-teens. I'm looking around my house at memorabilia right now. I did ask for a Keith Stone autograph um, from the famous Keystone Light Pitch Man. I have two of those. Um, that was just a year ago. <laughs> All right, so you, 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 you'll go for the Pitch Man. Yeah, I'll go for the marketing pitch, man. Uh, right next to an autographed picture of Bob Giovanni, the Old Spice uh, man. Okay, that brings me to the next add-on question to this. Okay. Okay. At what age should men or boys stop asking for autographs? Oh, man. Well, I don't – for me, you know, it was obviously probably my mid-teens. But uh, for my friends, even now, I had a, a – <laughs> They're like, can you get me so and so's? I'm like, dude, you're are, you are 45 years old. Why do you want Demarco Murray's autograph? <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do with it? Lay around and look at it? I mean, that's uh, <laughs> like ima- imagine him signing it. That oh. was a real conversation I had. Uh, not that recently, but it's happened. Uh, <laughs> all right. So so I, here's where I stand on this. I I think. Yeah. Unless you need this autograph for a collection, like let's say you're doing like a man cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not up for the asking part of things, but like if the guy is signing, yeah. let, let's say he's signing at some shop, okay. right? And Johnny like, Manziel right, let's, was recently. Yeah, like, like Johnny Manziel and not being ironic about it. Let's, let's just make it straight up. And you're like, listen, I've got a man cave. I, you know, I, I think this would be cool, a cool artifact for the man cave. And I, I, I need this. I need Brett Favre to sign this Jersey to make my life complete. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm cutting it off at 50 years old, 50 years old. I think I think you well get- because by then the legends are going to be what in their seventies. Yeah, I think yeah they're like they're not they're not signing, but okay the guys. All right, so it, it, at some age you have the autograph that you're getting should be a guy that's older than you. That, that's probably the only time it's acceptable after a certain age, right? Right, like after thirty, <laughs> like after thirty, you should not be asking for a guy that's like twenty one. It just seems it just it's seems so weird. It seems ridiculous. You see it at these events. It's sad. It's completely yeah. sad. And I'm on Spieth's side. Uh, even though, even though I asked for Cam Newton to sign the Cam Newton pants, but I, listen, that's a whole other animal. That was that yeah. was a whole different situation. I was even thinking about that when I read the Spieth thing, and I thought that was not even remotely what we were up to with Cam Newton. I don't think he was going to sign at first, by the way. And it was probably a case of, listen, you're old and you should not be asking for me to autograph these pants. (laughs) So uh, I'm sure it was, but I'm not like these dork wads who are getting uh, eight by 10 signed. Never, never done that in my life. I couldn't imagine getting that. I couldn't imagine being that person. Uh, like, Like these guys will carry around bags. Paul, I was at the Super Bowl in New York City outside the hotel where all the players were staying and there were grown men in they they, they were like a business and they had yeah. multiple guys multiple duffel bags with multiple helmets from every team those little mini helmets Ugh. from every team in the NFL and they would see the guy coming out of the doorway and they would rush get their helmets and go get the damn thing signed and I was like that might be the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life Ugh. So, and you know, those guys, 
those are the guys who ruined the the trading cards industry. Yes. yes. Kids. Yes. I mean, it was it was such a great thing for kids. I remember I still have all my old cards up in the attic. But you did it with your buddies. You hung out. You learned statistics. You, I mean, you learn all this stuff. It was just a, a cool thing. It was very enjoyable. Well, then the adults got into it and realized those guys got into it. That it was like a stock market scenario. Stock market, yep. And they could manipulate it. So then you had all these cards coming. I remember when Action Packed came out. Do you uh-huh. remember the yes. those cards? Yes. They were unique because they actually had like a topography feel. Like a, it was, I don't know, even know how to describe it. Each card was really thick and and uh sort of manufactured in a different way and each pack was like 10 bucks and you'd get like five of them and then every the whole market went that way and then you'd have action pack cards with autographs so then you're paying 20 a pack or whatever and it's squeezed out pro sad and fleer and don ross and even upper deck which upper deck initially was the premium card offering and then action pack came out and and really smothered yeah, and the whole thing with Upper Deck was is when 89 happened, they 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 saturated the market and then and people were left with cards that the value just tanked cuz they had saturated the market. So, yep. but and anyway, so even now yeah. I'll see those cards. They still have them. If you go to a Walmart, they do have a card section like right up by the registers. Right. And it's like there's all these like gaming cards like right. you know. Right. But one small corner still has the uh you know sports trading cards and they're ridiculously overpriced (laughs) (laughs) who's who's buying them dude do you remember sticker books listen i was thinking about sticker books recently and that was my big introduction to football the nfl was uh uh, explain set the stage what was it well sticker books um for the nfl the nfl really didn't have that trading card market early uh, I'm talk- I'm going back it's in true. The- I'm going back in the 80s. And but they had sticker books and what I remember most about sticker books was that for Christmas you could ask for you know I don't remember what they cost but you could ask for a dozen sticker packs, right? And mm-hmm. then you got the book, you already had the book, but it's football season. And you're trying to fill up your sticker book with all the guys that you that are on there, the 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 stars. And I just remember Christmas, the stickers would be like a stocking stuffer type thing. And you'd dump (laughs) those things out and you would think you hit the lottery. And (laughs) that was my big introduction to NFL. The NFL had not really um, made it as mainstream as what baseball was. And we these damn sticker books at like 10 or whatever, 8, 7, I don't know. You, those are the big introductions, and, and these guys look like heroes, and yep. they look like badasses in these football helmets and all this stuff. So yep. that that was my big thing. Were sticker books, and I was just thinking about that recently about how that was the um, that was like the epitome for me of the NFL back in those days because nobody bought uh, football cards. You, you, no, you, you didn't buy football cards. So. No. They so, looked weird or they just really didn't exist until tops. I remember the first time I ever saw it was like an 88 tops. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Before that, I think 86 was my first year to even remember like a, seeing. Like a Joe Morris score card. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we've. I mean, listen, that topic right there was an easy 20-minute topic. 
Oh, I could I could go on. I mean, the thing about sticker books was to explain to the listeners, it was like a like a magazine that had probably six players per team. Would you say? Yes. And what it was is you'd have these blank squares where it would say like Bernie Kozar, you know, and, and there'd be this area for you to affix a sticker to. And then you'd try to get every sticker to fill out your book. Right. You had to finish the book. And <laughs> the big stars were the one. It's just like trading cards where the big stars were hard to get, obviously forcing you to gamble. Uh, all of it, all of this goes back to gambling, by the way. You're, oh, for sure. You're, you're gambling every time you buy one of these things. Right. Uh, and they knew it, and you get hooked, and then you would you had to have your parents buy these. <laughs> you and, did. And you're gambling at all times. Um, <laughs> so, so life is the ultimate gamble. It is. Joe. It is. It, it's uh, it's crazy how you get hooked on gambling early, and you don't even realize it. Well, pursuit of the Bernie Kozar, you ended up with like four Kevin Max. Yeah, and, you're like, <laughs> and what did you do with those stickers? Well, you gotta because... have, did you ever have this? Did you have? Did you ever have a buddy who your parents would let you have like a trading party, and yeah. he, he would bring his cards or stickers, <laughs> and then you'd get yours out, and you'd be like, "Hey, I'll I trade remember, you." I remember dealing with this kid named David Goodman, and I mean dealing with him because even then. Uh, he was the prototypical like Jewish dealer guy, and he he would never you 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 knew that after a deal after you made it after you left maybe in your parents' car maybe you just got in the car and were going home you knew that you got screwed <laughs> you never felt good about a trade with David Goodman but you, he had stuff you needed isn't that amazing like all right, yeah. here's the thing I remember I had a buddy who uh, would come over for trading card parties and. I remember one of the first times I ever saw a Fleer, like a 1987 Fleer card, and in my baseball or football, uh, baseball. So it was okay. like a, it was like a Gary Carter Fleer. <laughs> oh, that looked clean, didn't it? And I, in my neighborhood, we couldn't buy Fleer. They they just didn't sell them in our neighborhood. And so in little farm town, we got Tops and maybe Donruss. Right. So the first time I ever saw that Gary Carter, it might have been. It might have been like 86. Uh, I about died. I'm like, oh, my God. This is like the Mona Lisa of trading cards. I had never seen them before, and I remember it clear as day. And this Gary Carter card just showed up, and I had to have it. So I I probably got screwed on the trade, but I was like, I need to to have this card because I I didn't have any other Fleer in my collection. Mm -hmm. So I needed that. And that's how it was. And kids nowadays, they, you know, they don't realize how this stuff worked. They, they, they're, they're on their tablets. They didn't have yeah. trading card parties. Right. So, no, they, and I, you know, my, to, you know, buttress your Gary Carter story, my Gary Carter was Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie card in 89 from Upper Deck. Okay. Because, because that card was worth more than like the whole market combined right. for that year. And so every time I'd go to my grandmother's house, who lived on a farm in the middle of Nebraska, you can imagine what that's like, no interest in sports. Somehow she came up on like boxes of upper deck cards and had no idea the significance. I mean, this is when they were hot shit. Like <laughs> upper deck was really coming out hard. And so every time we'd go there, she'd give me and like my cousins a, a pack of cards, only one every time. Even though he'd always ask for several, you know? right. <laughs> he'd come up with ways to ask for one on the way out. So she gave me a, a pack one day, and on the drive back to Omaha from Syracuse, Nebraska, I discovered I had I had gotten a, a Ken Griffey Jr. 
and I was just ecstatic. Um, <laughs> just picture like a nine-year-old Paul, you know, Fiona's age now, in the backseat of my mom's 80, you know, 80 <laughs> late model Buick. Or, well, it was an Oldsmobile at that oh. point. You know, 40 miles from Omaha and anything else of with life, just going ape shit in the backseat, you know? You would so hit hung- it. You would hit it. You would hit the lottery. <laughs> Like, what's better than this? Oh, my God. I should have just jumped out of the car and killed myself right then (laughs) (laughs) because nothing was going to be better than that. So anyway, uh, interesting story of the progression of that card. So then you get you start going to card shops like card shops. I don't even know if they exist anymore, to be honest. I don't Um, think they do. I think that's what eBay's for. (laughs) Yeah, they do. It's called eBay, Paul. And, you know, you'd go there and hang out. There'd always be some older dudes. You'd have memorabilia. You'd have the glass cases that you'd look in. Each card would be like individually in a plastic line, you know, like a yes. hard plastic line thing so it wouldn't bend. Like- um, and I went in there one day, and I traded the Ken Griffey Jr. for a Joe Montana starting lineup figure, <laughs> like $20, <laughs> and like some Topps Gold card that I needed to complete the set. It was, I think it was like... Some backup tight end for the Browns. I, I believe it really was, uh, whose name I can't remember right now. And like again, within ten minutes, I had that same David Goodman feeling. So, of, so you, why did I do that? Did you ever get another Griffey eighty nine upper deck? Uh, I I looked. I tried. I never did. You never got another one. That see, that's that is crazy because of how popular it was. Uh, it. All right. What do you think the price was of that card? Um, well, I, I was just going to say, I think it was probably about $50. It was worth about 50 bucks, which in nine-year-old money is large. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. That brings me to Christmas that year. Um, and one of the things I put on my list was the Griffey Upper Deck card. And <laughs> Did you? Yes. And, oh. and it was, I don't think the value had hit that high yet. I don't, I don't, I, I'm pretty positive it didn't go to that level um, because the rest of the story. So very similar. My grandma did not care about uh, baseball, didn't care about cards or whatever, but it was on the list and it was probably one of those years where she was like, listen, I'm going to be the cool grandma this year. I'm going to get some uh, trading cards. So she goes and gets uh, – I the Griffey was the one that stood out, right? And yeah. I, I opened that up, and I had thought my grandma had, like, bought my college education. <laughs> because the first thing you think is this thing – this thing's going to pay for a brand-new car one of these days. This, this is, is it. This is – life had never gotten better than <laughs> no. the Griffey Jr. upper deck card. And I, re- I remember opening that Christmas gift thinking, I can't believe she got me this card. I can't believe it. And it might have, it might have cost like 20 bucks. Right. But back then, for one, right. one stupid card, she probably thought, I can't believe I'm doing this. Right. Right? And now you'll buy like a $15 beer at a bar and you don't even think twice. No problem. I did it last night several <laughs> so, times. So, so I'm like... I, I think, and I still have it. I still have it here somewhere in the house. But I think back to that, and I'm and I'm still to this day amazed at what we would do or what we thought about those cards. And uh, the 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 trading card market, they did an insane job of marketing the shit out of this stuff to kids mm-hmm. and 
grown men got sucked in as, like you said, a stock market. And mm-hmm. the value is going to just keep going up, blah, blah, blah. Well, they saturated the market and shit on yep. everybody. Yep, uh, and moved on. And moved on. And they made, they made all their money. I don't know who made out, um, but somebody did because somebody made a ton of money. I um, think you stumbled on a great title for, if not this podcast, another one or anything. And that is Life Never Got Any Better Than That 89 <laughs> Up and Down Griffey. <laughs> that, should be, that, should be, uh, that should be a blog post, by the way. Yeah. That should uh, be we should. I should just ask people their memories of if they're old enough of great. how great it was. What was the feeling like to get that Griffey Junior upper deck? Right. Um, great topics. Uh, that's what this is all about. Um, by now, I, this is one that I hope people are listening because there's some. I know we're bringing up memories. You guys all have memories. Send them in. Let us know. Um, let us know about your Griffey experiences. And yeah. uh, any crazy, yeah, I want to hear. I, I, I want to hear throw, that. I, yeah, I think I'm going to throw that out, Paul. Is I want to hear some old memories of this crap because listen, you were in Nebraska, middle of nowhere. I was in Ohio, yeah. and this this hysteria was all across the country. Yeah, I think if you found, and I'll be interested. I hope you do tweet about it or something and, and ask people because I'd be interested to hear those stories. And because anybody in our age group. Had a Beckett magazine or a Tough Stuff magazine. Tough Stuff. I forgot Remember about that? Tough Stuff. Oh, I probably have them up in the attic. Well, and then what was interesting about Beckett is that time went on. People started collecting the the episode, the, not episodes, the editions. Yes. Each edition. Yes. And each edition had a value associated to it. Isn't that so? Nuts? Maybe the boat. Yeah. I mean, everything was a market, and no. and like you said, it it all goes back to gambling, which is really interesting, <laughs> and it's so stupid that it's even looked at in a criminal way. Because what's gambling other than capitalism? It what is. is it really? It's all it is. Uh, the Bo, by the way, the Bo Jackson. I yes, be- I believe I have that in a plastic oh. sleeve. I do you? I probably have. That's the all- one that I was thinking about when oh. I was saying that just now. That is a piece of that is a piece of art. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and that's the other thing too is that look how it impacted us in terms of professional careers. Oh. Design, you know, oh just the God. design of all this stuff. I got hooked and never stopped. It was an art. It really was, uh, and that's why. You know what? I'm. You know what? I might do a man cave of Beckett covers. How cool would that be? That'd be, dude. The guys, Tim. Rob, Bob, oh. <laughs> they would just be flooded with well, memories. I don't know. They're not, I don't think they're real. Big, no, no, they're not big sports guys. The neighbors, the, the neighbors, neighbors, that's who those the guys neighbors, are. Yeah. Some of them, uh, one of them is, well, but you didn't meet him. But anyway, uh, like my friends, if, if they saw that, they would be like, Oh my God. Yep. The memories conversations for days. We would literally just be sitting in, in whatever room with my buddies having the conversation that you and I are having right now. Like, remember this, <laughs> And then it would ultimately probably lead to some real nostalgia. Like, who was the first girl you ever kissed? And oh, what was, yeah. do you remember going to Skateland for skating parties on Tuesdays? Just, it transitions. It's like hearing a song, you know, from when you were a kid. You you immediately remember, or in my case, watching a Super Bowl and immediately remembering your, what your life was at that point. Pretty cool. Well, here's another thing is the radio show I do on Fridays. Tomorrow morning I'll do the radio show. Uh, the one guy that's on the show um, – a photo came up the other day of Jordan the dunk from the it was it was when the All Star game was in uh, Chicago Stadium or the arena. Oh, it's beautiful, right? You remember? You remember the imagery the, of that? The imagery. Nike built a whole campaign around right. uh, around that, right? And 
the tweet went out about the photo or whatever, and he goes, "I was uh, I, I tweeted out this brings this brings back a lot of memories," and totally. he goes, "He goes, I was two years from being born," and I thought, <laughs> I thought, I don't even want that life where I didn't remember Jordan, you know. Right. Right. We were born at the perfect time. Oh my God. Oh my God. We were born at the perfect time. I had this conversation last night when I was paying $12 for a beer and I, and we were saying kid, you know, you sound like the old asshole in the room, but kids now, when we grew up, we, I had, my grandmother had a rotary dial telephone. There was, the internet didn't exist there. You had to use the Dewey decimal system when you went to the library. (laughs) TV had 47 channels. I remember because prime sports was 47. Like there was nothing else. Right. And you did shit. You didn't just sit around on the computer or a tablet all fucking day. No, you and so go ahead. But so our age is perfect because if you hang out with guys that are ten years older than us, they don't know shit about technology. Right. They couldn't build a website. They can barely use a smartphone. But they they remember that old way too much. And then so my, t- and then ten years younger, they don't remember Jordan taking off from the from the free throw line. Exactly. They going. weren't even born. Can you imagine that? I mean, we really, just in the sports sense, we saw the prime of, of every major league. Uh, yeah. I think you could maybe argue baseball, the golden era of baseball was, <clears throat> you know, in the 60s or whatever. Yes. But uh, it, Yeah, it passed us by maybe the 70s, but still, you're right. Football was amazing and uh, built up to what we have today. But but anyway, good. Uh, how long is your mud interview, by the way? Because this is a long podcast right now. It's a long one. This is a nostalgia trip. Okay? It is. This, we it didn't, is. We, these aren't quick twenty second interviews. All right, we're no. we're getting into it, guys. You know, you're driving home from work. Pump this thing out. You know, why not? Um. All right. And I want to know who, what, what are the listeners' cards? Who was your Ken Griffey Jr.? I know you. I know you had one. Yeah, everybody had one. I remember. All right. Real fast, I remember 87, Will Clark Donruss. Will, yeah. I thought Will Clark was a god. Um, Me too. I thought he was amazing, even though I never saw any of his games because he was on the West Coast and they never, they rarely play. They played the Reds, but, you know, whatever. He was great. He was amazing. Right. And I remember asking for that for Christmas, and I got that Will, Will Clark Donruss, and I thought I'd hit the lottery then too. So I'm going to ask Real that. Quick. Go Real ahead. quick, go ahead. Go ahead. I had a I had a Will Clark Will the Thrill poster. Oh my god, I love that poster. At where he's hitting the baseball and it's coming out of its it's coming unwrapped. Yes. Um, I got that as a birthday present. And the funny thing I remember is I feel the same way about Will Clark. He was an amazing player. You felt like he hit a home run every time he was at bat. The way he swung, just wiggled that thing, <laughs> laid back on his back foot, all of his weight. But then you look at the stats, and he was hitting like twenty-two a year. Yeah, he. Yeah, you just <laughs> thought he was a god, right? You and really. He, and what happened to posters? Shit. Oh, What's I was just about to people? say that. I used to not. I used to not even pull the posters out of the plastic because I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to ruin them. Right. I want to save I, them. I'm gonna save them like your grandma, you know, <laughs> in the couch or the freezer with the deep with the deep freeze with the meat. Yes, my a buddy of mine, uh, Eric Hoffman, a guy I grew up with and, and loved old school NBA basketball. He just unloaded like ten Seattle SuperSonics posters on me within the last year. Oh my god! I've got them. I've got them downstairs in my basement where I actually have a Nintendo hooked up, and we play Tech Mobile almost exclusively. That sounds like a great man cave, Paul. We need to dive back into this, uh, maybe make this a weekly thing, and yeah. let, let let people call in. That we're, we're in a down, we're in a slow season right now, so we'll uh, maybe I'll dig up some Becketts and we'll have some fun with it. <laughs> I love it. 
All right, that's uh, Milk the Clock Podcast. You guys uh, get your memories, rattle your brains a little bit, and uh, let's have some fun with this. So, all right, Paul, that's it. We're out. Careful.